God is so good indeed. Amen. We thank him for today. <clears throat> Excuse me. As we gather in his presence. Amen. Good morning, church. This is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. I trust that you've all had a good week and a restful weekend. And I'm very hopeful that you are looking forward to the start of a brand new week. Amen. So today, <clears throat> excuse me, we continue our series on the book of John. Uh, last week, we were privileged to have Reverend Felix Fofoy, who ministered powerfully. Uh, I believe those of you who were here were blessed just as we were equally blessed. And we thank God for that. So today, we are we are back to schedule. Or I will say we broke up two weeks ago. No, three weeks ago, because last two weeks, in between three weeks ago, was a series of different messages. Amen. So today, we are continuing our series on the book of John, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, volume 4. And we are taking our text from John chapter 14, verses 7 to 11. John chapter 14, verses 7 to 11. And today, I'm ministering on the theme the sub-theme, the Father no longer a mystery. The Father no longer a mystery. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that your word brings truth, brings light, brings understanding. We thank you that of the truth we will know you in a deeper, in a more personal way. May we have a strong communion with you, which is fostered by the revelation of your word that we will receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Last two weeks, like I said earlier, we left off with Christ talking about himself as the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to the Father and to our eternal destination, which is heaven. You know, many people want to look for ways to heaven. Many people want to look for ways to experience, you know, people believe that there is this epiphany, but you can experience it truly in God. Uh, he's the way. So when Jesus said he's the way, he's the way to salvation. He's the way to the Father. And mind you, Jesus was talking about he's going to prepare a place. In his father's house, there are many dwelling places. He's going to prepare and he'll come back. He's the way. There is no other way we can go but through him and by him. There are scores of people uh, who are looking at good works to get there. You can't get there by good works. There are, they are, they are some bunch too who believe they can get there through or by a mediator. You can't get there. None of these will suffice except you go through Christ and by Christ. He is the way. Amen. We talked about he's the truth. He's more than a fact. More than a fact. You know, truth is higher than facts. And Christ is an objective reality. When something is objective and when something you know, has become um, a significant and a solid standing truth, 
it means there is too much evidence that you can't easily discount. That is the type of truth Jesus is. He's the real substance of the Father who came to reveal God to us. He revealed God to us by coming on this earth. And he revealed God in nature. He revealed him in word and in deed. He came as the son of man, yet he was divine and carried the same heavenly attributes of God. That's why he could say, I am the truth. Thank God for Moses. Thank God for Isaiah. Thank God for David. All these were mouthpieces, but they are not the truth as in the exact representation of God the Father. Amen. That's why in the Bible, the, the best person you have to ascribe to be like is like Christ. Not like Samson, not like David, not like Solomon. Amen. Because they are forms of a truth. But Jesus is the truth because he is the exact representation of God, our Heavenly Father. And this is what makes him better than the Old Testament prophets and even the New Testament saints like Paul and Peter and the like. Jesus is not a good man or some teacher. He is God and he is the truth. Amen. And we talked about him that he is the life. He is not just the source of life, but he is eternal life. You know, when you are talking about life here, it's not just talking about quality life. It's talking about eternal life, everlasting life. That when the end of this age occurs, we will live hereafter. Um, we will become candidates of his resurrection, which is the final event of the folding away of this earth. Amen. So we learn so much about I am. And that's the seventh I am, which is quite loaded. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And throughout history, there is no religious figurehead that has been able to explicitly and boldly declare that. And Jesus, when whatever he said, he was able to back it up. It wasn't just some empty talk, but he was able to back it up with hard, cold evidence. Amen. Now, let's read our text for today. Today, I'm going to use a different version. I normally preach from the New King James Version, but today I'm going to be reading from ESV, English Standard Version, for this particular teaching. So, John chapter 14, verse 7 to 11, ESV. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. These verses of scripture read, underscores to us how the Father was revealed in a different light to the disciples. Jesus had established the fact four chapters earlier 
that he and his father are one. And I'm basically specifically referring to John chapter 10, verse 30. You know, and to the average Jew, they saw God as untouchable, God as unrelatable, God as very distant, that it's almost blasphemous to the highest order for someone who is clothed in flesh and blood to say, I and my father are one. What a blasphemy. But what the people didn't know was Jesus was equal with God. He thought it's not robbery. And thank God for Apostle Paul who got that revelation and penned it down in Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5 going. Jesus was God. Just in the attributes of God, he's God the Son. He is part of the Trinity. He's the second person of the Trinity. That Jesus, he came down, took on the form of man, and humbled himself. Yet, he still had divine and heavenly attributes like God. And therefore, it was not a sin for him to say that, I and my Father are one. Because truly, he was God. But the Jewish audience, the majority of them had a problem with that. Amen. So now, Jesus is about to die. Mind you, this is the Thursday before he got crucified on a Friday. And I believe that when somebody, let's say, knows I'm about to die, they will say the most important things, the dearest things on their hearts. And for Jesus, this was so dear to him. It wasn't miracles. You know, Jesus did many things. It wasn't miracles. It wasn't miracles. He had seen so much, achieved so much within the span of three years of ministry. But Jesus, knowing that time is at hand, he told them the most important and the weightiest truth of all. I am God I and my father are one. I am the son of God. I am not just the son of God. I am also God. And Jesus, what made him say that? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In John chapter 14, verse 7 to 11, you see the word Father appear seven times. So just in four verses. If you had known me, you had known my Father, verse 7. Verse 8, Lord, show us the Father. Verse 9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Then um, verse 9 again, this, this is Philip. How can you say, show us the Father? I'm sorry, this was his response to Philip in the form of a question. Verse 10, do you not believe I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak unto you, I don't speak on my own authority, but 
the Father who dwells in me, that's his works. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father. And then another word, the Father. So seven times in four verses. So in these four verses, Jesus is trying to establish a certain truth about the Father so that the Father will not be shrouded in mystery anymore. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Understand the scripture very well. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Now look at verse 2 has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So now God is not speaking to us by prophets. He's speaking to us by his son. Now, what's the role of a prophet? The role of a prophet is very different from the Old Testament. And the, the prophet's in the New Testament and in this contemporary time is to confirm what God has said by his son. That's his job. He is no longer the mediator because Christ has stepped in that gap. Amen? So don't let anyone deceive you. You don't need a prophet to become the mediator that will outbridge the communication between you and God. Jesus has now stepped foot into that and he has become the mediator. So now God is speaking to us by his son. And who is this son? Christ, whom he has appointed of all things. Mind you, there are also some people who are also heirs. They are called children of God. But the funny thing is that we both inherit different things. We don't inherit the same thing, even though we are all heirs. Christ is heir because he's inherited the whole earth. And why has he inherited the whole earth? Because it was through him that the worlds were made. That's why rightfully so, he is the heir of the world. We, on the other hand, as children, Romans chapter 8 verse 17, we have inherited God. And how did we inherit God? We inherited God when the Holy Spirit lived on the inside of us. That's why there is a song, we are heirs of the Father. We are joint heirs of the Son. So we are joint heirs of the Son, but we are not inheriting the same thing. It means that we all have an inheritance. Christ's inheritance has to do with all things of this world because it was through him that the world was created. That is why he has so much power over the earth. Do you know how you know he was, he was the heir of all things? He could walk on water. Because he's an heir of all things. He could speak to the storm. 
and then the storm will listen. Do you know why? Because he's an heir of all things. But we are not heir of all things. I can't walk on water. I will not even try it. Because I am not an heir of all things in this world. Because the world was not created through me and by me. Are you understanding me? The world was created through Christ and by Christ. That is why he is the heir of all things. We, on the other hand, because of Christ's death, we have now inherited God. And the sign that shows that we have inherited God is we have the Holy Spirit who now lives on the inside of us. That is why we are heirs of God. Are you understanding me? So we, we have two kinds of heirs here, but the inheritances are vastly different. Amen. Now, it's this Christ who God has appointed heir of all things, whom he made the world through and by. Look at verse 3. Very important. Who being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. I find it interesting. Let me say the power of his word. The word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, I have explained the meaning of the word sitting at the right hand of the majesty. It doesn't mean that we are sitting at the right as we understand. It's a figurative term for he is sitting in authority, in power, exercising his rights just as a member of the Godhead. Amen. So, one thing I want you to get from this scripture that we read is express image. What does it mean when the Bible says Jesus is the express image of God? In the Greek, this is where we get the word character. It's interesting that when you look at the word express image, it's also called character. But this character has K instead of a C. You see, we spell character in English as C-H-A-R-A-C-T-E-R. The Greek express image is spelled C-H-A-R-A-K-T-E-R. So basically the same, but it's just the C and the K that makes the difference there. And it's also known as character. But this character has a deeper meaning. It means the exact, perfect, and full representation. It doesn't even stop there. That would have been enough. The exact, perfect, and full representation in nature, in deeds, or works, and modes of operation. So when the Bible says that Jesus is the express image of God, it means that he is the exact, the perfect, and full representation of God. That means what God does, that is what Jesus does. That means what Jesus does, that is what God does. They are members of the Trinity and they work co existentially. 
That means when Jesus heals, it is because the Father is healing. If the Father is healing, it is because Jesus is healing. The exact, perfect, and full representation of God the Father in nature. So that means Jesus came in the nature of God. It also means that the works that Jesus did whilst he was on this earth, those are the same works God the Father is doing. So when Jesus is working, God the Father is working. And then the modes of operation, how they go about things, how they do things. So Jesus came in that express image of God the Father. He was the character of God. And that is why he could boldly say that if you know me, you have known my Father. Because I'm different from Moses. Moses is not the express image of God. I'm different from Jeremiah. Jeremiah is not the express image of God. I'm different than Abraham. Even though you guys are sons and descendants of Abraham, I am higher than Abraham because Abraham is not the character. He's not the express image of my father. I am the express image of the father. Even though I am clothed in flesh, I came in the exact full and perfect representation of who God is. I came to show you God's nature. I came to show you God by his works and by his deeds. And I came to operate in the mode that God, my father, operates. I am the express image of God. Therefore, God, Jesus saw it fit one day to his death to tell them that if you know me, you have known my father. And from now on, you have seen and known him. Why? Because you know me. And Jesus has every authority vested in that statement. Why? Because he is the express image of God the Father. That is why he could say that. But verse 9 is very interesting. Verse 8, I'm sorry. It's very interesting. Because Philip now went on to counter Jesus' statement with a question. Lord, show us the Father, and it will be enough for us. Sorry, that's not a question. That's a statement. He said, show us the Father. It's more like a plea, and it will be enough for us. This really underscores to me the cry of the masses. People really want to know God. People want to know God. Jesus, in three years, he gathered his disciples and put them in apprenticeship. And he schooled them and taught them on who God the Father was in nature. He loved them. He demonstrated the nature of God the Father. He demonstrated God the Father by works. His handiworks, healing, doing good, casting out devils, teaching them the word of God. That was what he spent all the time so that they would come to the place where they know God. And Philip's question, Philip's statement or, or, 
or, or plea is a very sincere one. You can't know God through any other way, any other means, but by Christ. Which led Jesus in verse 9 to say that, Have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? You know me as Jesus, the son of Mary. You know me as Jesus, a good teacher. You know me as Jesus, a good prophet. Have you been with me so long after three years of apprenticeship? Are you telling me that you cannot really tell that I and my father are one? After three years of apprenticeship, can you still not tell that I am the express image of God the Father? Do you not know me, Philip? Then Jesus reiterated his point again. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you see? Show me the Father. If when I read this, I, I kind of pick the tone of Jesus here a bit. Maybe he was a bit agitated. Because it's like, I've already told you. What, what Father do you want me to show you? If you see me, you have seen the Father. You have seen the Father. And what is this question about show me the Father? You know, he's, an, he's answering the, the, the plea or the, or, the, or the request with a question. And Jesus could say that because of Exodus chapter 34. So go with me to Exodus chapter 34. This was how Moses knew God. And this is how Moses presented God to the Israelites. So the Israelites, they knew God based on secondhand information. That's why when you read the Bible carefully, the Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God, but the Israelites knew his acts. The Israelites just knew miracles, parting of the Red Sea. Giving us manna, killing our enemies, uh, snakes biting us, wind being healed by the brass serpents. These were the things the Israelites knew. But Moses knew the ways of God. And this was how Moses knew the ways of God. He knew the ways of God because he knew God. You can't know the ways of somebody until you know him. So this was Moses' experience he had with God. And he translated it and relayed it to the masses. So the average Jew, this was how they knew God. And let's read Exodus chapter 34. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, verse 5 to 9, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. You see, up to that point, the Israelites, they just knew God as I am. That's all. Moses says that, Lord, you have spoken to me. You've given me an assignment to go and deliver the Israelites. What should I say? Mo uh, Moses obeyed what God told him. 
and went and told Pharaoh that I am that I am has sent me. And to the hearing of the Israelites, that's how they knew God. I am that I am. But now, Moses is going to know God beyond I am that I am. The Israelites, they just knew God as I am that I am. I am says we should follow him, so we are following him. He's come to set us free from slavery. But Moses went a bit further than I am that I am. Read on. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This was standard knowledge of who God was. And Jesus, for him to explain that to Philip, that if you see me, you have seen the Father, he exhibited all these qualities. Jesus was merciful, just like God the Father. He was merciful to the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. We did that in John chapter 8. Jesus was gracious. The Bible says, of his fullness we have received grace upon grace. John chapter 1 verse 16. He was gracious just like God. The Israelites, they couldn't understand that very well, but that was why Jesus came. He came to make sure that they understood that I am gracious, just like my father. Jesus was long-suffering, just like God the Father. It took a lot of Jesus' long-suffering. And when we read the crucifixion story, you will see long-suffering in play there. And that is God. Suspending judgment, suspending his wrath for a long time for his son, to appease us wrath so that we can be children of God. That is long-suffering right there. Jesus was abounding in goodness and truth, just like God the Father. So Jewish people knew this information by second hand because it was Moses that gave it to them. Jesus kept mercy for thousands. He did. And that is why he could proclaim certain things like a judge. He was quick to forgive. And he was quick to forgive because he had the power to forgive of sin. Just like God the Father. And forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The ordinary Israelites, that was the hope for them going to sacrifice. When they took their animals for sacrifice, they had this hope that we, have, we serve a God who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. That is why year after year, they will come 
and give their animals as sacrifices so that the priest could go into the Holy of Holies for atonement once a year because of this very truth. By no means clearing the guilty. When Jesus died, he cleared the guilt and the shame and the sin associated with mankind so that we could come to God our Father. Everything that is in Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 to 9, was thoroughly manifested and practiced by Jesus. And he will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children's children and to the third and the fourth generation. And that is why there is judgment. Amen. And Jesus pronounced judgments in his lifetime. So Jesus had all authority and all power to tell Philip that if you see me, you have seen the Father. And Jesus explained the relationship that existed between him and the Father, that we work coexistentially. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. You see, when we talk about the Trinity, it's, it's not three modes of God. It's three coexistent persons of the Godhead who work in harmony. And we are not talking about three gods. Are you understanding me? So we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying that I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So John chapter 5 verse 19 and John chapter 8, verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. Whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So this goes ahead to explain the point about Jesus in verse 10, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. He's talking about the relationship the harmony that exists between the Godhead. John chapter 8, verse 28. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things. And that's why Jesus could say the words and the works. Because everything that Jesus said and did, they were not separated. They were not independent of each other. 
That is why he could say, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. What God the Father says is what Jesus is saying. What God the Father does is what Jesus is doing. What Jesus says is what God the Father is saying. What Jesus does is what God the Father is doing. They are one. They exist. There is a coexistentiality between God the Father and God the Son. You can't separate them. They don't have a separated mind. The Godhead is one. Are you understanding me? So, for example, let's say you have a, a board. Normally, every board, they always have all numbers. Five, seven, nine. And what, what, the reason is because you need to give one person the deciding vote so that maybe if it's a tie, it can, it can be three against two or five against four. That's why in a board meeting, it's never even numbers. It's always odd numbers because you have to give that one person the vote. He will cast the vote and decide. So may, maybe in a company, you have five board members. Three, uh, two believes you should be promoted. Two believe you shouldn't be promoted. You will need that one person to cast the final vote on whether you should be promoted or not. Let me tell you, your, your promotion in your office relies on somebody's thumb. <laughs> Pray about it. Amen. Well, when it comes to Jesus and God the Father, they never disagree. They never disagree. If Jesus says that you are forgiven, the Father says you are forgiven. Why? Because Jesus the Son is God and, and God the Father too is also God. If God the Father says that you are healed, Jesus the Son also says you are healed because they are members of the Godhead and they exist together and they can't do without each other. They don't have a separated mind. That's why Jesus could say what he said. That the words that I'm speaking, I don't speak of my own authority. And the works that I do too, I don't do of my own authority. That's why Jesus could say, I am God, the Father. And that's why he could say, I am God. I am the Son, but I'm also God. Why? Because if you see me, you have seen the Father. My works also attest to that. And my words that I speak also attest to that. And then he said something. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. And I'll stop here and we'll continue next week. And next week we are going to talk about greater works. Amen. So today, what I really want you to get from this is that the Father is no longer a mystery. He's not shrouded in mystery. Today, if you want to know the Father, receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. And then the seemingly mysterious aura that surrounds God the Father, it will dissipate like smoke. Jesus wants us to have a love walk with God the Father. God wants the world to get to know him in a very real 
and in a very tangible way. But that can only be made possible if you accept the Son, because it is through the Son and by the Son that you begin to have better cognizance of who God our Father is to us. Amen. So I pray, may we have a very stronger relationship with God. But we can have a stronger relationship with God, not by works. We can have a stronger relationship with God, not by a mediator or some sort of spiritual guru. We can have a stronger relationship with God by receiving Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, who then will begin to unravel every mysterious aura of God. I came to say that God is our Father. God loves us. God wants to express himself to us. God wants to build relationship with us. God wants to treat us like family. God wants us to know him in a very personable way. God wants a relationship, but that can only happen through and by his son who has been made the heir of all things. Father, we thank you. A deeper relationship. We yearn for communion. We yearn for fellowship. We yearn to be blessed. We yearn to know you. But we will come through the proper channel and the right way. And that is through and by your son. We receive this word, O Lord. And we thank you that from your scriptures, we know that your son is the exact fuller and perfect representation of you, God, our father. Therefore, as we take time to go through this book of John, we are getting to know you more and more. We bless your holy name today because your word has said that they that know their God shall be strong and shall do exploits. Thank you that we are knowing you and we are becoming strong and we are becoming candidates of every good and notable deed in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. God bless you guys. Over to Pastor Jessica. God bless you.